Well, it's a good morning, and um, as I can't remember someone said already, but oh, I think it might have been Dylan, because he was talking about house-sitting and going on a walk, a run. Pastor Omar and Misty are clearly not here today. Um, they did something kind of special. They sent the mission team back home, and they stayed in Mexico on vacation. So that is where they are today. And you know what? I just have to say, as someone who is um, under their leadership, I am so thankful for their example of taking time to retreat and to rest because it makes them stronger and better leaders. Amen. So this week, they're going to be coming back. They'll be back next Sunday. Just keep them in your prayers, um, not because they're in danger, but because they they want to just know you're loving on them and praying for them. Does that sound good? Well, I get the privilege of introducing our guest speaker today. Um, Pastor Eleanor Freiheit is going to be bringing the word today, and I am honored to introduce her because her and I go all the way back to elementary school. We, uh, we grew up at Northwest Church together. Um, she has gone on to um, Fuller Seminary. She is a lead pastor at Hope Community Church in the University Place area of Tacoma. And I just love this woman with all of my heart. She's married to Amos, who is a pro soccer player. And she has she's a mama of Josephine, who's three and a half. And she's she is a godly woman. And I sat through first service, and I can tell you, you are going to be blessed. So will you welcome with me Pastor Eleanor Freiheit? Okay, I know it's coming on. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad to be here. Honestly, Misty and Omar are some of my favorite people on the planet. Um, I told like a really nice honoring story during the first service, but now I'm just going to make fun of them. So um, I, I just get the feeling that 11 o'clockers are like a little more loosey-goosey. But um, I don't, my church is at 5 p.m. on Sundays, so we're straight up just like party animals. But... Um, but Misty, my, one of my favorite memories of Misty is like midnight at camp. She puts on a gorilla suit and hides in a bathroom stall so that whoever comes into the bathroom next, she can pop out at and scare. Okay, that quickly turned to her sobbing because the next person to come into the bathroom was unfortunately our Miss Donna. Um, and and uh, Misty thought she had uh, given her a heart attack. And, um, and immediately she pops out and then immediately starts crying <laughs> and is like, I'll never do that again. I'm so sorry. But um, Misty is my party animal girl and I just absolutely love her. Um, and Omar is really my brother. He's just been indispensable as I've been leading Hope Community. Omar's the first person I call and say, what do you think about this? Or can you help me? And um, he always does. So I'm just so honored to be here. Um, today we're going to be talking about Proverbs, and I was super stoked when Omar said, is that a word people use now, Dylan? They do? No, they don't. You're nice. Um, because, thank you, I love you too. <laughs> uh, because uh, I love the Old Testament. I feel like it's so rich, and for me personally, it's easier for me to get my mind around the Old Testament than the New I find the, the narratives and just like the directive wisdom to be found there easier for my brain to understand than say like a letter from Paul where you're like, that was one page of a run-on sentence and now I have to go back and figure out what he was talking about at the top, right? Which is fine, like good on you, Paul. I know he was like doing what he was supposed to do, but, um, but I love Proverbs. So, uh, so I'm so excited to be in Proverbs 8 today, but I did wanna share... Uh, a story from my childhood where um, I definitely thought that I had figured out 
God's system, and I'll share it with you now. This is the secret, no. <laughs> um, but I remember as a young kid uh, hearing about King Solomon and how the Lord said, Solomon, anything that you ask, I'll give you. And, uh, you know, you can ask for riches, you can ask for, he names a bunch of things. And Solomon says, this one thing that I ask of you, Lord, is that I would have wisdom so I could lead your people well. And the Lord said, because you asked for wisdom and not all those other things, I'm gonna give you wisdom and all those other things on top of it. So like, as a young child, what does that tell you? Like, what does the math say? The math says, if you just ask for wisdom, you'll actually also get everything you want. Um, so I've been asking for wisdom consistently <laughs> since I was a very young child. Um, but I love wisdom literature, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the Psalms, and um, basically just learning from the Bible what it is to walk in God's ways. So uh, we're going to be in Proverbs 8, 32 through 36 today, but uh, Prover uh, wisdom in Proverbs is personified, made into a character um, as a woman. So it'll say, she is saying, or this is what wisdom says, come to my house and whatever. Um, and so there's two woman characters in Proverbs. One is the wayward woman who is calling to instant gratification, the desires of the flesh, foolishness. And then there's this wisdom, capital W, who is also like a woman character um, that's made to kind of represent wisdom. And so that's who's talking here in this passage. It's wisdom talking. So this is, uh, we're going to start in verse 32. Now therefore, O sons, listen to me, for blessed are those who keep my ways. Heed instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at my doorposts. For he who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who sins against me injures himself. All those who hate me love death. Not happy, that last part? Oh, so fine. <laughs> um, so we're gonna start going through this verse by verse. But it's important for us to understand uh, why wisdom literature was written. Because basically it's saying, the Lord's ways, it's exactly what Christy shared earlier. The Lord's ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. Um, and so he, he writes. So in verse 32, it says, Now therefore, O sons, or people, or children, listen to me. Now what was true in this culture at the time is that uh, there, there's no printing press right, historical, like Gutenberg Press, 16, whatever. Um, so there's only one of a lot of these things. Unless people, these scrolls of wisdom, unless people have taken the time to hand copy the whole thing, right? So uh, it's kind of like how you don't allow your children to have access to the honey bear when you're at grandma's house where there are nice things. Um, most people who were hearing these words were not reading them. They were hearing them. It was a culture of auditory teaching. Um, they would have had the first five books of the Old Testament memorized. And I know, it's like hard to believe. And, um, and so everything that they kind of like brought in would first be heard 
over and over and over before they'd ever get to read it. And so when we're looking at this passage and it says, now therefore children, listen to me, they're already listening. So it's not just saying, hear me, it's saying listen. So I had this professor in my ancient Chinese history class, which to be honest, I slept through a lot of it. Um, But I had this professor who would say, now if there's only one thing you need to remember from today's class, and of course I'd be like, ooh, like ready to write with my pen. And, uh, and he, he would say, I love saying that because I just see heads pop up all around the room. And so sometimes it really wasn't something that was important to say. He just was like, I know if I do that, every head will pop up, you know, because you don't want to fail your final test. Um, but that's basically what's being said here. It's saying, you're already listening, to, you're already hearing me, but listen to me. And that's different, paying attention, sitting up and taking notice because they're already listening, when you see the word listen, it's a cue for us to know, don't just hear this, but let it get into what you're hearing. Um, Let it sink in. He says, for blessed, the writer says, for blessed are they who keep my ways. So looking at that first half, blessed, I think it's really important to say whenever we're going into wisdom literature, which can be very directive and prescriptive, do this, don't do that, can feel very black and white, that the objective of the Lord in sharing this wisdom with us is not to control, manipulate, or shame us, but to bless. His reason for sharing what he's sharing is for blessing and peace. That's his reason for getting this written down. He's not trying to keep you from his blessing. He's offering you what you need to live in it. And that's where the instruction to listen, not just to hear, but to let it get in you, comes in. So for blessed are they who keep my ways, see two things there. First is the word keep. Um, Keeping God's ways isn't a one-time thing. It is diligently walking in his way. It's keeping, it's consistent. And the interesting thing is, is that often when, uh, well, I won't say when we, I'll say when other people, often when you're giving great advice to other people, uh, (laughs) the response sometimes, we've all either done it or heard it, is, I know, I know, I know. Of teenagers in the house hear that all the time. I said it all the time when my parents tried to tell me stuff when I was younger. Um, And now it's it's something that when I hear it, I I because I know that that person is in for trouble. (laughs) Um, You know, fools know more than any other people I know. You cannot tell a fool anything that they don't already know. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> I was like, well, I wouldn't be saying it to you if I thought you knew. <laughs> so, um, so check yourself. But, um, <laughs> but when, but we don't always say, "I know, I know, I know" out loud. But often that is actually the posture of our heart, almost all the time. I know. There is no one I say I know to more than my husband. 
Or my mom, maybe. Both of them. They're both super wise. That's on me. Um, so there's like, and I know, I know, I know, but that doesn't mean that you're actually doing it. And that's the keep the way. The difference between a fool and a wise person is just that. It's not that you hear something and know it, but that you live diligently toward it. That's what the wise person does. Like a a path that you are treading on so consistently that eventually you make a trail. So um, any of you ever been to Walla Walla? Well, the draw for me to Walla Walla is um, like the Marcus Whitman historical site. Anyone? They let you make candles. They're like reenactors, which is my dream job. And, um, <laughs> no, it, it is. And, um, and what's really cool is that if you go down to that part of Washington State, you can still see the ruts of the wagon tracks from the Oregon Trail. They're still there. The, um, the grass won't grow there. And they're deep. And it's this idea of how many thousands upon thousands of people took that trail day by day by day to now create a path that is like solid, that hundreds of years later isn't going anywhere. That wasn't just one time that someone went over it with a wagon wheel. And when we talk about even our brains and the way our brains work, there's two theories of neurology and spirituality. One is that is the kind of nature idea So because we are chemical and uh, biological, that the way that we think uh, mostly is is set, if that makes sense. And unless you change that base environmental factor, you can't change it. But there's a different one called top-down in which it says that if you start to change the way you think, who you are will also change. And that's like the ruts of righteousness, in, you know in Psalm 23 when it says, lead me in the paths of your righteousness? Yeah, it could be translated ruts, literally like the Oregon Trail, like walking in his way. And so like a path that you're treading on, so eventually that you make a trail, you gotta walk that thing diligently. You gotta keep my ways, says wisdom. Just because you got the map doesn't mean you're going anywhere. We can all read the map. But show me the person who's walking in wisdom And that's a person I want to follow. That's a person I can trust. And he goes on, the writer goes on to say, heed instruction and be wise and do not neglect it. Not neglecting instruction and wisdom means a lifelong posture of humility, learning, and growth. It means we never outgrow the need to learn and develop. But this also means that somehow, if wisdom and instruction is here, that somehow neglecting wisdom and turning from instruction to pride and self-reliance is some kind of factory default setting on the human soul. Our magnet is always going to pull us back to wanting to be justified by our own selves and reject the justification and, may I say, the even playing field 
that Jesus creates of us all, we don't like that. You know that song, I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it. I don't wanna sing that, you know why? Because I do wanna earn it, and I do wanna deserve it. I'm like, give me the boxes, I'll check them. Give me the map and I will, I will organ trail that thing. No one's dying of malaria or being crushed by a wheel on my trip, okay? Just put it in my hands and watch me fly. Am I right, Andrea? <laughs> girl, I grew up with this girl right here. She's an answer to prayer. I love you. Thank you for laughing at me. Um, but truly, that will always be the magnet. And that's why the writer's saying, don't neglect it. He wouldn't be saying that if it was some kind of natural condition to, to be wise enough to say, I don't have all the answers. That magnet of self-righteousness, pride, independence, and self-satisfaction um, is the opposite of the gospel. <laughs> because if you have that, you do not need Jesus. Um, verse 34 says, blessed is the man who listens to me. It's that active listening again. Watching daily at my gates. It's again, that daily, that consistency. So gates in this culture, um, we're not like gates of a gated community or gates of a home. It's like the, the arch over which the main road of this city was built. And every day, the movers and shakers, the powerful people, the decision makers would sit and discuss and decide at a city's gates. And so what wisdom is saying here is get up, get to where I am moving and shaking and making decisions and observe me in action every day. Be keenly observant of the way that I do things. Watch how I interact with other people Watch how I make decisions. Watch what I post on Facebook. Just, I, I'm only saying that for the 11 o'clock service. Um, and get yourself here every day to see how I do things. I remember being a junior in high school. I had just come back from my first international missions trip, which changed me. And um, I had this paperback Bible that was light enough that I could bring it to school with me every day. So every morning on the way to bus, I was the way to school, I was the first stop on the bus. And every day I would read the Bible in the morning um, on my way to school. I don't feel like it changed anything. I don't feel like I saw any like fruit from it. I can't look at my year of being a junior in high school and being like, that's when I knew I was close to Jesus. But I'll tell you what it did do. It somehow wore little ruts in my brain that said his way is the best way and said he's good and said I, uh, I can see now the foolish things before I have to participate in them to know. So that kind of daily thing is, um, is not necessarily bombastic or um, like I said, checking off a bunch of boxes I got, it was like the easiest to read translation because it was early in the morning and as the nine o'clock people know, I'm basically like a zombie until 11.15. 
But um, I, <laughs> night church, guys. Um, but, but I really will say that that was this, it, it changed something in me. I didn't have to see all these outward things to just like, just keep sowing, just keep planting seeds, and eventually you'll reap that wisdom. Watching daily at my gate, so get wisdom in you every day. And then they go on, waiting at my doorposts. And you know what I pictured, actually, <laughs> was um, like my kid, she's three and a half, my kid when, they, when she hears like a rapper opening somewhere in the house. It is like the ears of a dog or something. And if I am eating anywhere in the house, um, not vegetables, mind you, but if I'm eating something she'd like, I mean, it is like you, you can't keep her away. And I thought that waiting at my doorposts gives me this picture of kind of like getting up and running to wisdom's front door in the morning and waiting for wisdom to come out. Like my ears are attuned. And, you know, whether it be pizza or donuts or whatever kick my daughter is on in the moment, it's her first question to me every day. Are we getting pizza? <laughs> Mom, can we? She goes, Mom, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go get a donut. We're going to go to the water. We're going to play the park. Okay? <laughs> and I don't know how you say no to that, so she gets what she wants. But <laughs> no. Not always, because I'm too lazy to give her what she wants. But, um, but I think of that. That, um, that eagerness, that passion, to say like first priority pizza for her, but for us like first priority wisdom, like waiting at the doorpost saying like, what are you gonna say next? So I hope you see how that posture of watching daily at the gates and waiting at my doorpost is the antithesis of some kind of, I'll wait for it to come to me or I got it pretty well figured out, or, eh, I'm good. Daily waiting at wisdom's doorstep is saying, give me all you got to give me. I'm listening. I'm ready to walk wisely. And again, that is a daily diligence. This isn't, I took a course once, so now I have the knowledge and we're good. <laughs> it's a heart posture that just defines our daily lives. Do we live in the ways of wisdom? They go on to say, for he who finds me, wisdom finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. The person who diligently seeks out wisdom and instruction and walks its ways is living life under the blessing and protection of the Lord. That does not guarantee you the outcome you choose, but his presence in whatever outcome there may be. These are the promises of wisdom, life and the favor of the Lord. Last night, I was leading a staff meeting for our church. Um, two Februarys ago, the pastor of our church, Sheldon Koch, went on a vacation with his wife and their four kids. Um, youngest was six and the oldest, I think, was 13 at the time. He's 40. Played a game of basketball on a cruise in the Bahamas and died in his shower at the age of 40. Eight months later, we came in and the staff we have now is the original staff that Sheldon had when he passed away. So we're meeting in our living room last night and my question to them is, 
if what got you to where you are now will not get you to the next place God's calling you to be or grow into. Um, like, are we willing to take the next mountain? And I'm talking to people who have been through and have stayed in a church and led it where they had no leader, where every single person in it was grieving, where his widow and four children remained and remain now. And as we're praying, and I'm, and, and I'm, and let me be clear, I am really giving up on the whole idea that all God wants out of you is work. I'm like, yeah, take the mountain if he's saying to take it. And maybe his invitation for you right now is to say, no, I don't wanna take it. I'm gonna stay here for a while. And his love and regard of you stays the same in both of those places. But as we're, my question to them was, so what's the invitation of Jesus right now? What's he inviting you into? And as we took time to reflect and then started to share with each other, I just, um, I got this picture of looking at the next mountain and being like, Jesus, if you're gonna be there and you'll also be with me on the road there, then yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to go. And that's what this finds life, finds favor thing is. It's not promising that you won't go through things that are awful. The world is broken. But what it's saying is like, if you'll live in my ways, that road, whether you get to the mountaintop or not, is gonna be filled with my presence. It'll be filled with my voice, with the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And so last night, it's like, well, yeah, Lord, if you're gonna be there, we can go. That life is that abundant life that Jesus promised. And as it turns out, that abundant life is something that we are just unable to give ourselves. It is only found in the source that God gives. And when we try to manufacture that life for ourselves, we get a twisted, manipulated copy of what God meant for us. You ever tried to do something with your own two hands? Force something to happen? It's like my bread and butter. It's like how I function as a human. Um, but I, I always find it so empty, and I find that in, in creating the world I'd like with my own two hands, I tend to hurt a lot more people. I remember, so my husband and I dated for two years and then broke up for two years before we got back together and got married. And um, Andrea was there for all that. You're my, you're my rock. Um, but I remember when we, were gonna, when we were starting to talk again after two years of being apart, and I got very scared because I knew it was for real. I knew this was the person I was supposed to marry. And um, I don't like being out of control. I don't like not knowing the future. And my husband, gosh darn it, will not be controlled. <laughs> he is just, he is so cool with himself 
that the thought of like performing to make someone think he's great, I don't, it's like not on his radar. <laughs> there might be something wrong with him, but he, like, he, he, he truly doesn't care. And I knew that if I was saying yes to a life with him, well, this is what the Lord said to me. I was in the car. And the Lord said, Eleanor, maybe you should open yourself up to a life that is not dictated by you. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll marry him. <laughs> it's hard when the Lord speaks like that to ignore that. But um, so we are married. <laughs> it's been eight wonderful years. And uh, the, this is the thing, though. We get this twisted, manipulated copy of what God meant for us when we try to force things to happen with our own two hands or make life good for ourselves. But worse, it is freaking exhausting. All of the energy is spent around controlling things to make ourselves feel secure, safe, and kind of to prove ourselves. And we waste all that energy. <laughs> it's like running on a treadmill and never getting anywhere. So the Lord's invitation is to humble ourselves, let go of what we can make and muster with our own two hands, and walk in his way. Verse 36, the happy verse, says this. But he who sins against me, wisdom, injures himself. And I took that to mean that wisdom has more to do with your internal world than with the outcomes that it could bring. This isn't just about finances and happiness and raising your kids. This is about your internal world. And it starts and stops with your heart. If you're rejecting wisdom, it says you are literally injuring yourself. All those who hate me love death, it says, which means that this rejection of wisdom and the taking into our own hands of our way produces death every time. And we have all experienced these times when we have taken matters into our own hands and went forward bullheaded and hard and came up empty, injuring our own hearts and most likely some of the people around us. So what's the good news? Ask it every time you hear a teaching. Because is the answer just to try harder? To set your alarm for earlier? To read every book and listen to every podcast? I mean, yeah, because as a task-oriented person, I really enjoy having something to do. <laughs> but at Hope Community, we have this saying. We say, the who before the do. And what that means is, before it's about what you're doing, it's about who you're becoming. Because at the root of this passage, I hope you'll see, it is not a list of things to do. It's describing a heart posture. Humbling yourself is admitting that you don't have all the answers, that you need help, like serious help. It's both an invisible step and the most important one that you can take. Because that is the place and the only place where Jesus can meet you. If you've got it all figured out, what do you need Jesus for? If you can make things right on your own, then what did he die to atone for? And if you are capable of making life from your own two hands, why did he rise from the dead and promise you 
the fellowship and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The most powerful thing I've said in this season as I've been leading out community <laughs> is constantly confessing out loud, I don't have it in me. I think it every Sunday. I say it to my staff all the time. <laughs> I say it to the Lord every day. I don't have it in me not to do what you're calling me to do, not to be a human on planet Earth. Like, let's get away from all the great glorious things you could be doing in your marriage and your family and all that stuff. Like, just to be a human on this Earth is beyond what I have in me to accomplish. It's the most powerful thing we could ever say. I don't have it in me. This posture of humility is everything, and the path to wisdom is the path to Jesus. If we approach it with self-righteousness or pride attached, we've got a non-starter. <laughs> so are we willing to lay it down today? Would you stand with me? And if you want to, would you close your eyes and put out your hands as if you're surrendering or opening up to the Lord? Here's a word that I heard specifically for Grace Church as I was preparing to be with you today. I heard something about trying to prove yourself, that because of what life has handed, handed out to you or what people have said about you, you're going around your life trying to prove that you are wise, smart, good, and important. You are desperately trying to say to the world with every interaction that there's nothing wrong with you. But here's the thing I think the Lord is giving us, is that trying to prove yourself isn't getting you anywhere. It's making things harder for you and creating barriers for you. If you want the gift of wisdom, you're gonna lay down the need to prove yourself and come to Jesus saying, I'm open, I'm humble, and I'll learn. And this is the scripture I got as we were worshiping. So this is just for you, 11 o'clock. In the word it says, if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously and without reproach. And this is what that means. He doesn't shame you for not having the answers. He is not angry that you don't have it in you. He will give generously without reproach. And so Lord, right now, I just, let's actually take a deep breath kind of let this get in us. Jesus, when we have you, we have everything. And Lord, when we don't have you and we only have ourselves, Lord, we have nothing. So Lord, I just pray for every heart, God, in every situation, the way we were raised, our relationships, our vocation, all the things, Lord, that make up our journey. Lord Jesus, that this would just come down to saying, Lord, I desperately need you. I need your way. I wanna walk in it diligently. And Lord, I pray right now God, that this spirit of wisdom 
would just do its work in us. Lord, that it would not be outside in, but inside out from that posture of saying, Lord, not my way, but your way. Lord, we love you. And we know, God, that you've given us everything we need. I just pray blessing and healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, can we thank Pastor Eleanor? Will you extend a hand? And I just want to pray over her as a church as she goes. Lord God, we thank you so much for this gift. Lord, of, of a, a sister who is willing to be real and to challenge us. And Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit in this place, Lord. And God, right now we pray as Grace Church over Hope Community, Lord, and over Pastor Eleanor and Pastor Amos as they lead this church. God, would you strengthen them? God, would you, just as their name is Hope, God, would you just pour out hope in that community? Lord God, that you would just just do something fresh and new. God, give joy and energy, God, where it lacks. Lord God, would you pour out your blessing on this church, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Well, we are done today. Thank you so much for being here. Um, we are going to have Pastor Omar and Misty back next week, so come back. Make sure you get signed up for our school cleanup, and we'll see you next week.